Amen. Now, I love Christmas. I really do. Christmas is, is like absolutely my favorite time. And um, Christmas is full of surprises. That's why we called this teaching series Christmas Surprise. And today I want to talk about what I've called God's amazing master plan. What was going on and what was behind it and what's it all about for you and me sitting here uh, this particular Sunday morning. I remember when I was a kid, we... Uh, we, used to, we, we lived in a, a little brownstone. My brother and I shared a bedroom. And uh, when I was little, I don't know how little I was, six or seven years old, I remember Christmas morning I'd wake up and I'd kind of kick my feet out at the bottom of the bed to see if I could feel anything because Santa left the stocking on the end of the bed. And I'd be kicking my foot down to see what I could feel and the excitement of like, he's big. But, but here's the thing. It was probably about four or five in the morning. It was pitch black. Now, we didn't have bedside lamps. We just had one light bulb, but it probably had a shade of some kind in the middle of the room. So I couldn't switch the main light on. It would have woken my brother, and he was just a Grinch, you know? So I couldn't do that. And, and so what I had to do was explore my stocking in the dark, which is how I developed an incredible sense of touch. I got to work out what everything is. There were a couple of things that were always clearly recognizable. One of them was a certain shaped box. I must have had several Christmases in a row. Now, now please don't throw up your hands in horror. Remember, this was in the unenlightened era of 1950s, just after the Titanic was lost, right? It was okay. I would take out a smoker's kit, right? Some of you ready to call CPS right now, right? Too late. The scars are there. <laughs> Smoker's kit. It was a common thing. It was a chocolate version. So inside this box, inside this box, there was a, a chocolate pack of cigarettes, chocolate pack of matches, a chocolate pipe, a chocolate tobacco pouch, and then the main piece right across the middle was a big fat chocolate cigar wrapped in gold film. And it was my delight at four o'clock in the morning to unwrap the chocolate cigar and to sit back in bed. <laughs> and that's why I'm as messed up as I am today. It's quite amazing, right? And then there was, there was one of those Christmases, one of the other things I remember in my stocking was a little book. And, and um, you know, I, I unwrapped it and I worked out it was a book, but that was as far as I could go in the pitch black. But when I opened that book, a little later with daylight, the book was basically the words of the Christmas carol away in a manger with all the pictures of the baby Jesus being born and the shepherds coming. And, and I remember opening that book, and that became one of my favorite books as I'd constantly remember the baby. And I think from earliest years, I was aware of the fact that Christmas is about the baby. And truth is, Christmas is still all about the baby. And, and my hope is that this morning, just, just in these few minutes we have to share together, that something of the wonder of the baby of Bethlehem will touch our hearts in a fresh way as we think about God's amazing master plan. In the second chapter of Luke's gospel, we have an account of the birth of Jesus that goes like this. In, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken, and everyone went to their own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. Just in the middle of their regular working nights, they found the baby. My prayer is that we'll find the baby in a fresh way this morning. Last Sunday when I was, when I was um, talking about Christmas surprise, I, I talked about God's overwhelming generosity. Christmas reminds us how generous God is. John 3 verse 16 tells us this, for God loved the world, so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved us so much, he gave us his absolute best. He gave us his son. But then this morning makes me think about the following verse, when I think of God's amazing master plan. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did not come into the world to judge us, to punish us. God came into the world so that through trusting Christ, the world could be saved. And the world is you, and the world is me. God's master plan was through this baby, I want the world to be saved. Through this baby, he wanted you and me to be saved. God sent a baby to make that happen. Now, if God had asked me how to save the world, I might have had a different plan. Because send a baby doesn't sound like it's going to work. That's why God's God, and I'm not. Because the baby is the secret to it all. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. It's all about the baby. 
And, and when I look at it and think about it, I can, I can really understand it even more. Firstly, because of this. Babies disarm you. They draw you in, don't they? Like babies draw us in. They, they, they really do. In the, in the uh, sixth chapter of the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about a vision that he had of the Lord. And he said he saw God. He saw heaven. And when he saw heaven, here was his reaction. He says, I said, doom. It's doomsday. Like, I'm done. I'm as good as dead. Every word I've ever spoken is tainted, blasphemous even. And the people that I talk with, they talk, that I live with, talk the same way, using words that corrupt, desecrate. And here I've looked God in the face, the king, God of the angel armies. And Isaiah's thing is this, he saw God in all his splendor, and he said, I'm dead. And the truth is, if God had come to the earth that first Christmas in all his splendor and all his glory, what you and I would be saying is, we're dead. But God didn't come to frighten us. God didn't come to judge us. God came to save us. So he sent a baby. Right at the end of the Bible, in the book of the Revelation, John, who was one of Jesus' disciples and actually was called the disciple that Jesus loved. He was the closest to Jesus. John describes how he saw a vision of the Lord. And he says this, Revelation 1.12, he said, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, Jesus dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he had seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp two-edged sword, double-edged sword, his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And here's what John said, the one who knew Jesus best and was closest to him. He said, when I saw Jesus like that, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. And I said, you're kidding. No, he didn't. He said, don't be afraid. He said, I am the first and I am the last. When John saw Jesus in all his splendor, he was absolutely terrified. He fell at his feet like a dead man. He was scared to death. And sometimes we get that impression, that kind of God's the figure we need to be scared of. I remember when I was a teenager, we, we used to, uh, a group of us on Christmas Eve, we would go to the local uh, Church of England, kind of Episcopal church, to midnight mass. So you take a group of teenagers out of a very, you know, much more relaxed church setting was what we belong to, and you put them into midnight mass into like an Episcopal church, and, and it was like we got in trouble. Because we didn't realize that like you're not meant to talk in church, right? You know the kind of feeling? We've all been there, right? You walk in, you get struck dumb at the door, and you're like, I can't speak from now onwards. And if you speak, you speak in whispers. Because God might hear you and zap you. But that was how we were. And, and we'd get, you know, we'd get the looks. 
you know, and, and not that we were disrespectful, we were just teenagers who weren't totally used to this. So our whisper to one another was like some huge shout as far as all the old people around us were concerned. So we got the shh, shh, shh. And sometimes we get the idea, you know, God's this figure. Now, don't get me wrong, God's holy, God's God. But God sent Jesus because he wanted to bridge that gap. Some, some of you parents, you do that to your kids as well. Now, Give me 30 seconds, I'm going to interfere with your family. No, it's like, it's like oh, you better watch out because God's not going to be pleased with you. It's like, can you just leave God out of the picture? Just tell him you're not going to be pleased. If that doesn't work, you've lost it already. <clears throat> okay, just saying. But, you know, if you're not careful, God's the bad guy. Don't let your kids grow up thinking God's the bad guy. You know, it's like, you know, the cops will get you, but God will get you first. It's like, no, 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 no. No. When God came to earth... He came as a baby because babies draw us in. When we, um, I was 21 years old when our first child was born, the one who was up here just before me. So I was 21 when she was born. Yeah, I'm a 21-year-old, and believe it or not, life has mellowed me considerably. When I was 21, I knew everything. Now I know nothing. It's good. But I knew everything when I was 21. And my take as a 21-year-old wanting to be smart was all babies look like monkeys. You know, all messed up and crinkly and it's like, you know, and they got either no hair or sticky up hair and it's like, you know, all babies look like monkeys. And that was me. That was me. So just before our Charlotte was born, my mother came to stay with us for a while. And uh, when, my, when my mother came to, to stay with us, uh, just after that, Jill goes in, has the baby, I'm there through the night with the baby. Uh, she had a harder time than I did, I think. But uh, I was there anyway. Mr. Night Sleep, I want you to know that. Um, I was there all night. And then I go home bleary-eyed in the morning. I walk in the house. My mother said, so, does she look like a monkey? I said, Mom, she is absolutely beautiful. Because a baby draws you in. God sent the baby to Bethlehem to draw us in. Here's what it says in the in, in, uh, book of Romans, chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, it says this, In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. I love that. In kindness, God gets a hold of us and he leads us. God isn't angry with us. God isn't looking to punish us. God wants to have a relationship with us. And in kindness, He takes us by the hand. Listen, God isn't worried about where you are in life. He's passionate about who you can become. He's not worried about where you've been. He's more concerned about where He can take you if you will let Him do that. God sent a baby to lower our resistance and to draw us in. The baby of Bethlehem, God's amazing master plan. The second thing I, want, I was thinking about a, with a baby is this. Babies change our lives. Every parent said amen, right? right? Babies change your life in ways you never had any comprehension about and in ways in which you never understood. Babies totally change your life. Suddenly, you think of somebody else. 234,179,367 times a day. 
You're thinking about somebody else. Suddenly, every day is a surprise. Just when you got your life all organized, suddenly it's all thrown up in the air because a baby changes everything. Suddenly, bodily functions are no longer repulsive. In fact, they please you. You did it. You peed in the potty. What a good boy you are. What a big boy you are. Mommy is so proud of you. You peed in the potty. You peed in the potty. I'm going to tell daddy. I really am. I'm going to tell daddy. You won't believe it. He peed in the potty today. Really? He peed in the potty. Wait a minute. Let, let me get a picture for Instagram. A baby changes everything. Everything. Suddenly you become a morning person, whether you like it or not, like one o'clock in the morning and two o'clock in the morning. Suddenly you don't worry what the time it is because your life doesn't go by the clock. It goes by the demands of the little infant. Everything changes. Suddenly, when you look at a parent whose baby is screaming, you're not thinking anymore. Why don't you fix that kid? You're thinking, I feel your pain. A baby changes everything. That's why God sent Jesus to us. God sent Jesus to bring about the change in our lives that we could never bring about by ourselves. We could never do. There, there's a great story of the, uh, during the days of the gold rush, there, were, there was a, a mining camp in California, and it had such a bad reputation amongst the rugged miners, it was referred to as Roaring Camp because it was, it was, it was such a wild place. And uh, Roaring Camp was kind of just uh, the wildest that there was. The roughest of the guys were there. And, and one day there was a... Um, there was a Native American woman who was in the camp and she was pregnant and she was giving birth to a child. And in the course of giving birth, she died. And one of the miners had been helping with the birth and suddenly he's left holding this baby. And he calls a couple of his friends and says, well, what, what do we do with this baby now? And one of them said, well, let's see if we can get a, a woman from somewhere to come in and raise the baby. And another guy said, you're kidding. No self-respecting woman's going to come near this place. So they said, well, we've got no choice then. We need to raise the baby. They called the baby Lucky because they said he's lucky because he survived. And so Lucky stayed in Roaring Camp. And what happened in Roaring Camp over the next few months was the place was transformed. Outside the hut, the rough hut, where, where, where the guy who took primary responsibility for the baby was, there was a little garden that was developed and flowers were planted. Suddenly, the little store they had where they got all their supplies found they weren't selling anywhere, anywhere near as much liquor as they were. Suddenly, at nighttime, there was a curfew and everybody had to be quiet after that. And Roaring Camp was transformed because the baby came. And I want to tell you this, what happens when Jesus comes into our lives is that he begins the transformation from inside out that we could never ourselves make happen. 
Some folks think they've got to kind of get themselves all sorted out. It's like, well, I've got to stop this. I've got to do that. I need to be this kind of person, that kind of person, the other kind of person. I, 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 and then, you know, God's really going to like me and God's really going to want me. If you could do that, the Savior would never have needed to come. But we can't do it. Right? We can't. So God sent the baby who would change our lives See, God gave the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. He gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and the people of Israel. But, but the fact is the Ten Commandments couldn't make anybody change their lives. I mean, there's none of us who can keep all ten all the time, day in, day out. We've got everything totally right. The Ten Commandments couldn't save people. They could just show people how much they needed a Savior. I can't do this. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says, what the law, that is the Ten Commandments, was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, because of our humanity, it couldn't change us. But what it couldn't do, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so condemn sin in the flesh. God brought about the transformation by sending the baby. And everyone who opens their heart to the baby of Bethlehem, knows the transforming effect of that child on their lives. Then the third thing, the final thing I want to say that I'm pulling from this thought about the baby of Bethlehem and God's amazing master plan is this. A baby's just the beginning. A baby's a beginning. Birth isn't just it, it's, but birth is the beginning of a long, lifelong relationship, Right? One of the things I love about my wife is that Jill just, you never have to wonder what she's thinking because she tells you what she's thinking. And I mean that, you know, in a caring, loving way. I'm trying to be careful here because we just celebrated the other day our 49th anniversary and I'm shooting for 50. Uh, but, but she'll tell you. And I remember a few years ago, some friends of ours whose kids were late teens or early 20s, and the guy says, he says, when, when do your children stop being your children? And Jill said, when you die or they do. Like, okay, yep, just tell it the way it is, Jill. Don't sugarcoat it. But that's a fact, right? When you have a child, it is a lifelong relationship. And you know what? When Christ comes into our life, the in God's intention is that is the beginning of a lifelong, in fact, an eternal relationship. So when we receive Christ as our Savior, that isn't the end of everything. That's the beginning of everything. It's like, okay, now I've done it. It's like, no, now I'm beginning. Because we weren't made perfect the day we received Christ, were we? Oh, okay. Okay. It's Christmas and you're in church. Let's try it again. We weren't made perfect the day we received Christ, were we? Right, we weren't. No, it is a continuing, developing relationship. Christ is part of our lives and our life linked totally with Him. In 2 Corinthians 5, it puts it this way. It says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So it's the beginning of something new. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. It is the beginning of new life. It's all about the baby. When God wanted to save us, 
He didn't come in all his incredible, scary splendor. He came as a baby to draw us in, to change us, and to start a relationship with us. I don't know where you're at with God this morning, but I want to just encourage you this Christmas, fully embrace again the baby of Bethlehem. Make Him the center of your life. If you've never begun a real relationship with Him, let this be the day. If you've been estranged from the Lord, make this the day that you reconnect with Him, the baby of Bethlehem. Our plan for Jill and I, our plan is that this evening we're going to fly down to Texas because um, we're going to spend Christmas with our grandchildren in Texas. Our son and daughter-in-law will probably be there too, but <laughs> as every grandparent knows, we're going down to see the grandchildren in Texas. And um, the youngest of them, um, Georgia, is, uh, she's just over two years old. Some of you heard the story I'm going to tell you now, but just look interested. Um, when, when Georgia was about to be born, we were going down there. We were going to travel down to see if we could help them out when the baby was born. So we flew down there one Sunday night. Um, she was overdue at that point. And our son picked us up at uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, took us home, and we had dinner. And we're sitting around the table eating dinner. And, and suddenly, Haley, our daughter-in-law, just kind of gasped. Went, now, we were eating Thai food. It didn't, you know, to me, I thought she just ate a chili or something. But, but ladies know these things, right? So Jill said, is it starting? She said, I think so. So she took out her phone because there's an app for that, you know. <laughs> no, apparently there's an app that you can time your, your contractions and stuff and whatever. It's an, it's an app for Quite amazing. I don't think we'll ever need it. But anyway, it's there if any of you do, okay? Um, but, but so she starts, and then after a while, it's like, we better go to the hospital. So we stay at the house with what was then their two-year-old, Jameson. So we stay there with Jameson, who's two years old, and uh, eventually we go to bed, and there's no news, and I keep my phone turned on right beside the bed, and, and something like 4.15, I think it was, in the morning, the phone buzzes, and I pick it up, and there's a, there's a, a text, and there's a picture of this beautiful little baby. And uh, we text back and forth a couple of times with Jonathan, and then we settle down to go to sleep, and I lay in the bed, and as I lay in the bed, I started crying. Tears are coming down my cheeks because I, I, this thought had suddenly hit me. I'm 66 years old. How much of her life will I see? I just lay there in tears, and suddenly I was kind of depressed. Eventually, I fell asleep. We woke up in the morning, but I still felt this like heaviness. And we got ready, and we took the little guy up to the hospital to meet his new baby sister, and we go in the room, and everyone takes turns, and I'm happy to wait till last, because babies scare me, okay? I mean, they're great, but it's like, I don't know which way, and, and what if I drop something? You know, it's, and I don't. So I'm the last, and I get to hold this little girl, and I look down at this little bundle, and I said this, I'm going to dance with you at your wedding. She was only hours old, but she pulled me in. <laughs> Let the baby of Bethlehem pull you in today. Let the baby of Bethlehem pull you in. If you've been kind of out there wandering somewhere, come back in. 
come back in. Recommit your life to Jesus today. And let the Christ of Bethlehem do what He can do for you. And nobody else can. Let's pray.